This is very similar to that. It's getting tired constantly. Um, speaking of tired, Simon, welcome back to another episode of Maybe, Maybe Next, next time. time. I'm your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation! Epstein didn't kill himself! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do think he probably did, just to be clear. Um, well, that said, you repeat that more than someone. It's like like when our friend Jay Swanwick, a noted oh, yeah, conspiracy yeah, right. theorist, would like routinely mm. drop like, oh yeah, that's a Rockefeller conspiracy. Right. And he'd be like, right, but it's not. And you know that, right? And he's like, yeah, of course I know that. <laughs> you in it like just in casual conversation and email threads <laughs> just... Uh, a propos of nothing out yeah. of nowhere drop that Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> so I just find it I think it is like the way that it has it has become a part of like meme culture. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, is very funny. Where well, it just gets go ahead. <laughs> pardon pardon me for, for my ignorance, but I have no idea how it's a part of meme culture. Well, the only like... time I hear about Epstein is you <laughs> and at the and at the bottom of Nets um, articles on the New York Post, they'll usually be like <laughs> you know, it's a links to like hottest woman ever right, right. dead. Right. Or like right. Or yeah, Epstein. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well so right. But, yeah, the way I feel like it comes up is, like, you'll get, like, a regular meme that has just nothing to do with anything, like, <laughs> anything Epstein-related. You know, it'll be, like, a cute dog saying, like, woof, woof. Or, I mean, that is just made up, obviously. <laughs> but, like, then they'll just, it'll eventually become an Epstein-did-kill-himself meme. <laughs> like, the, it just infects everywhere. And, like, f- people go on Fox News and, like do their little bit, you know, their, like, commentator will say their bit, mm-hmm. and then they're, like, they're, like, um, and just really quickly, Epstein didn't kill himself, and then, like... Oh, so Fox like, News is about him not killing himself. Yes, it is an entirely conservative fever swamp thing. Oh, it's all about, like, Clinton be, body count. I mean, I know and, the like, Clinton body count thing, but yeah. I thought that that the Epstein thing would have touched too too closely to Trump and them the several right wingers too. I mean, he was just a friend of billionaires. Right. The Clintons happen to hang in that same circle, but so do the e- billionaires who run the GOP. Right. So here's the thing: they don't. <laughs> that's when you're already conspiring and think that there's a Clinton body count. You're not. <laughs> You're not exactly like at the forefront of like, well, you know, this this could boomerang right, back on us. There could be ramifications right, exactly. that we haven't thought about. We, don't, right, we need to look at every way this could play out. It's just about an obvious, uh, you know, Clinton conspiracy. Okay, well, uh, we're here as we are each and every week bringing you all things Nets Nation. That's what the people want. That's what the people get. Uh, Nets are currently 13 and 11, holding on solidly to seventh <laughs> place. Uh, needless to say, everyone below them in the East has a losing record. Um, <laughs> the Magic are on a seeming death spiral. I uh, hope so. Yeah, we, one would hope. I wish they would spiral a bit They're more. getting Vucevic back, which is unnerving for, for Nets fans. Yeah. Um, but we are holding on to a 2.5 game lead on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost a heartbreaker to the Hornets. Yep. We are about to hit a little bit rougher patch in the schedule. Oh, yeah. We're playing Toronto tonight, and tomorrow we are playing the 76ers, who yeah. 
<clears throat> though we play them well, are just so big uh, that I think could give us more trouble than they did last season yeah. when they had something that could be misconstrued as a guard on their team. <laughs> um, whereas <laughs> this year, it is all forwards all day Yeah, long. it is pound, pound into the ground. Um, I, I also, just as I said last episode, Nets fans soak in this month. Uh, because it, um, we've played 15 games so far against losing teams. Mm-hmm. That is an impossible trajectory to continue. <laughs> and it doesn't continue um, January, February, March. No, it certainly does not. Um, so we're here. We've got, of course, I think it goes without saying at this point, uh, a great show for you this week. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got some mailbags. We've got some stat station. And, of course, it wouldn't be a show without taking a little trip to Katie's Corner. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, So we're going to Katie's Corner, but as we did last week, we're going to expand it out to Injury Row and talk about (laughs) all Nets players who are on the bench due to injury. Uh, But we will start... Katie's Corner. The train, I feel like, is getting louder these days. Mm. Um, for for maybe it's just in the winter because there aren't the like uh, the leaves to absorb the sound. Mm-hmm. But um, I know a lot about how sound and leaves interact. I know you do. Uh, <laughs> so I know you do. That's a thing that happens. But anyway, it just seems louder when we're, we're doing this. Um, all right, first stop in Katie's Corner. A uh, Forbes article dropped, Simon, that you shared with me. Uh, Kevin Durant, businessman. Kevin Durant, thought leader. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, potential billionaire. Yeah. What's your take away from the Forbes article? So um, the Forbes article is just all about how he... Um, he is using his his uh, wealth generated from um, his basketball career to plow it into various startups and to uh, create his own um, multi-pronged company, 538 Ventures, and just about his, uh, you know, his ambitions it's to... It's not 538. No, sorry, not 538. I'm sorry. 35 Acres. Thank you, yeah, Bill. Yeah, yeah. That's how That's how fake news gets started. <laughs> um... Just another body count. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, if I show up dead, Bill. <laughs> no. Um, <clears throat> uh, myriad reasons why that would happen that wouldn't involve the Clintons. So, um, so uh, yeah. So uh, my take is just that, uh, I don't know, it, it, it was not as uh, juicy or meaty as I had hoped. Uh, we've been thirsting for for some exciting Katie's Corner thing, but I do think that this is the closest I've ever come to understanding what Kevin Durant's um, 35-acre thing is, and also what exactly, like... Because, you know, we've heard talk about, oh, he wants to move to New York to do X, Y, Z, to to build his empire, but I had no idea what his empire was, really, and this is, like, the... It's, like... So it's it's like an, an amalgam of different business ventures, yeah, a yeah. very diversified right. portfolio. Yeah, um, he is an early investor in things like 
in a lot of tech companies because he was out in the valley. Yeah. Uh, Postmates and uh, the others that I don't remember. Lime Scooters. Lime Scooters, right? Mm-hmm. Lime mm-hmm. Scooters. Uh, there's obviously a media component of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yes, the the ultimate end is to leverage his wealth accrued by, say, not playing for an entire season and making almost $40 million um, and transforming that into a billion dollars over a period of time. Yeah, and $70 million if you include his uh, shoe contract. Yes, which is uh, remarkable. <laughs> so do you even know what a KD shoe looks like? No, not really. Yeah. I love Kyrie's shoes, I have to say. Yeah, they are getting a lot of love these days. I feel like The Athletic has written about six articles about his shoes, <laughs> um, which, you know, Nets Daily tries to uh, poach every time one comes out, but they can't keep up at this point. Um <laughs> Can I tell you what I found the most yeah, interesting yeah. about the article? And it's a quote, so I'm just going to read it, mm-hmm. and then we can unravel the quote together. Sure. So he says, this is Kevin Durant here. The team is in the garage uh, mm-hmm. garage stage, not garage. <laughs> <laughs> We know someone whose parents say garage. Uh, the team is in the garage stage where we are putting the idea together. It's more intimate. Everyone understands the goal the goal, and has a fresh experience, Durant says. A championship would be a whole other level. But injecting a new energy into a city through basketball would be even cooler. Yeah. To me... If I really wanted to parse this out, it would say that to say that a championship would be a whole other level is sort of a concession that he doesn't really see a championship in the Nets future and that what he's really focused on and that what would really be cool because he doesn't think that he can actually do the championship is to just this nebulous thing. Uh, bring energy to a city through basketball. Uh-huh. Do you um, think that's a misreading of it? I do, Bill. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that KD wants to and, you know, believes that there's a chance they could get a championship, and I think that he's saying through that championship, then what's even cooler than just getting a championship is making New York a, a basketball city again, which it hasn't been for many, many, many decades. Hmm. That's how I would. That's how I would read that. Breathing new new life into the city. I found them to be like two, two completely separate clauses. Like a championship would be one thing, but what I'm really focused on is injecting energy into the city through basketball. Uh huh. But like, like because you would use and otherwise, right? Like because you would like. To inject, you would need to a win a championship. Right. right. But this is like, it's a separate thing. I don't, yeah, I don't read it as separate. I read it as the championship creates or helps create this new energy. All right. Well, we can disagree on that. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know that I would recommend the article. <laughs> no. Uh, Forbes writing is very bizarre. I don't know. It's just filled with like a lot of sort of. Well, I mean, so much of what I what I read is critical of the things that they sort of just present as self evidently awesome. You know what I mean? Like everything, any sort of like um, shamelessly 
uh, money-making ventures just reported as, like, obvious and great and what you're supposed to do, whereas I feel like so much of where what I read would be, like, critical <laughs> of, in, like, predatorily investing in these various startup things. And, right, but your reading is the weirdo. Yes, writing. yes, yes. Yeah. No, I know that it's, we're all supposed to internalize the logic of yeah. accumulation of capital, but... Yeah. But it's it. I just. I guess I don't read Forbes often enough to to be fully comfortable in the zeitgeist over there. Right. I also think that that zeitgeist is just again the permeates world. the entire okay. media culture. All right. And let's, only move on in injury. <laughs> let's move on in in injury row here. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll move slightly further down the bench to Nick Claxton. Uh, he injured himself in a Long Island Nets game. I. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was fully aware that he was playing with the Long Island Nets, uh, but that is disconcerting. It's a hammy issue. Um, if there's one thing we know about hammy issues in the Nets medical team, mm-hmm. uh, we know that a hamstring can can balloon into a several-month mm-hmm. uh, long injury. Mm-hmm. I also think it's it's disappointing because... You know, I feel like there there is a route to Claxton getting minutes this season, uh, but that injury could very much hinder that effort oh, yeah. taking off. And the final thing in KD's injury row corner mm-hmm. is Kyrie's corner. Yes. So, Simon, you sent this quote to me in distress. I'm distressed about it, too, when I read it. <laughs> this is what Sean Mark said, and we're going to do some more parsing of language oh, yeah. because we had such a good time the first time we did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Marks says, I think the timeline for his, Kyrie's, recovery is somewhat up to him. Somewhat up to him. But also <laughs> up to his body and how that progresses. It could happen quickly or it could take some time. Sean Marks said after the 113-108 loss to Charlotte. Um... What does it mean when a general manager says that the timeline for the recovery of an athlete is somewhat up to the player? Does it mean that the player is – is it like a – is it like a Kawhi in San Antonio where where he was cleared to play by San Antonio medical staff but said he was still injured so didn't play? (laughs) Or is – or was he saying – are we reading too closely into this? And he was just saying it somewhat up to him in the, like his body and his body getting better, or or yeah, or or even or even that yeah, it, you still consult with him. It's not just like I, th- I think the kindest way to to look at that and hope and probably how Sean Marks hoped it was interpreted. I don't think he was trying to like have have fans be able to read the tea leaves there. But I, I, I suspect the way he he sees it as like, yes, we'll consult with the actual player. We won't just be like, hey, our metrics say you're fine. Right. Get out there. <laughs> like, you'll still talk to the actual player who's feeling whatever it is that's actually... But isn't that just so self-evident that it wouldn't need to be stated? Like, uh, no one's going to be like, yep... We're going to have a scientific test, and once it reaches a certain percentile, we're going to push Kyrie Irving onto the court. Like, implicit in this relationship is that Kyrie is going to be involved in the decision-making process. I think that's just what he—I think that is why he's saying that. But I, but I do think that it belies, as you do, that Kyrie—it um, it could belie this anyway, that, that Kyrie is saying, no, I'm not—I'm not—, I'm not 
ready to play. And I wonder, Bill, if his reluctance, which again is pure speculation, uh, could come from the fact that he came back, right, after injuring it, played, and then re-injured it. And I wonder if he is like, this is the second time that the Nets medical staff fucked him, because they also did it with the The, mask that didn't work. So I wonder if he's now just like, you know what, like, I don't, I'm not listening to anything you guys say. I'm going to come back when I'm ready uh, and just try to stop me. Right. Uh, yeah, I, 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 a lot of hand-wringing is happening in, in Nets Nation. I think the next few games are going to make it really apparent that uh, we need him to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, however... I think that the narrative, are the Nets better without Kyrie Irving, could pick up some steam if somehow we manage to give any of these teams trouble and actually sneak out a win. Um, but we shall see. I know that in the wit- most recent Windhurst uh, podcast, mm-hmm. they were talking about all-stars in the East. And Spencer Dinwiddie's getting some buzz yeah. um, in terms of potential all-star season. And Kyrie Irving, um, they were saying they didn't think he would, he'd be an all-star this season. Um, yeah, I mean, I his um, <laughs> his hard to be an all-star to play. When you don't right, play. exactly. Right, right. Like his numbers are pretty. Good, like the percentages are lower than his usual for sure. But like, no, they're great. His point totals yeah. are good. His assists are higher, I think, maybe than ever, or at least close to as high as ever. Um, so yeah, rebounds are fine. So yeah, pers- like stats wise, it's fine. But yeah, I think it's absurd to give an all star nod to somebody who's played uh, eleven games. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about like whether Steph Curry is going to get in, and he's played maybe four games or something. Right. Well, he. I mean, like the way that because the fans, right, get a they say. Get so a, they the fans get like fifty percent of the vote or something. Oh, like yeah. So that is always a, a huge night nightmare. They they will inevitably like Yao Ming was getting all star nods for like you know six years after he was even remotely relevant. <laughs> um, all right, you ready to take a trip to Stat Station? Choo choo. Yes. All right. Our RPM is finally out, Simon. Oh, good. Jesus Christ. I thought they were never going to do it again. Yeah, so they don't release it until uh, shortly after 20 games have been played in the season. Oh, okay. Because it's just so meaningless before that point. Oh, okay. Um, This, of all the advanced metrics, from what I hear, is the one that people are like, by season's end, it's the closest to approximating, like, if I wrote down the 10 best players and then looked at this, they would look... About right. Okay. Um, it, it, at least that's how I've heard it framed. Okay. Um, that said, it's still mm. super early, and that is by season's end. So there are some aberrational things. Like right now, LeBron James has literally the highest RPM ever recorded, uh-huh. um, which, while he's had a great season, is probably not going to be the case. But I did think, since it's out... We should get into where some nets fall. Sure. Don't don't sneak a peek here. Okay? <laughs> okay. I want this to all be fresh. Uh-huh. Um, who do you think is our top RPM getter? Jared Allen. Very close. He's number two. Our best RPM is 
Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh. Um, obviously, Kyrie is not included here because he hasn't played enough games. Got it. Um, Spencer is at 55. He is has a really high offensive rating, over three, and a negative defensive rating. Um, so he comes in at 55. Not great to not have a a player in the the top 50. I would say, especially for a team who thinks they have a real chance at contending. Yeah, though right. the, yeah, it, the it means three best of, players are out. Yeah, because of injuries, right. obviously. Um, but still, like, that we don't have, that's also bad. Yes. Um, second is Jared Allen at 58. So those uh-huh. are the top two. Jared Allen is a positive offensive, obviously not even close to where Spencer is, um, but also a positive on defense. I thought, interestingly... Um, David Nwaba was third at 76. Mm, he has the highest net rating of any net. Oh, hey, look. Kyrie apparently has been in here, but his is probably not worth talking about. He was 90th um, again. Okay. But he hasn't played enough to really make it. Yeah, so David Nwaba is third at 76. Then we have a huge drop. And then we have a little cluster of our three guys who I like all three of these guys. I think that they are all really solid role players. Um, I know you have issues with one of them. Uh, one fi- at 155 is Torian Prince. Uh-huh. At 158 is Garrett Temple. And at 159 is Joe Harris. Uh-huh. I think those are three of like our most consistent, solid contributors. Um like one, every night, one of the three of them at least is going to be hitting from three. Uh, Garrett Temple is a consistent defensive threat. Mm-hmm. Joe Harris has been doing some good off-ball stuff. Um, Torian Prince, you know, a lot has been written about his rebounding lately. He's been double-doubling more than he ever has in his career. Um, I know you mock his rebounding. I mean, he he must be doing something other games because his average is still six. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we're going to take a a pretty big plunge uh, to Theo Pinson at 226th. That's the next one? That's the next one, who is ahead of... Karis LeVert, who's at 266. Again, he has not played enough games for that to really be meaningful, but I do think it's interesting that your beloved LeVert is 40 behind Theo Pinson. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to know who the worst net is? Uh, DeAndre Jordan. You saw the screen. I you? didn't, but I, I imagine this whole thing Why was cooked I? up to... <laughs> Why would I be yeah. talking about this if it weren't DeAndre? Mm-hmm. It's DeAndre Jordan. He is a negative on both offense and defense. He's a negative .74 on offense and a negative 1.4 on defense. So he's even worse on defense than he is on offense. Um, and this is a stat. He's 388th, by the way, overall. How many players? There's are like in the a league? little. There's like 420 or something like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he's 388th worst overall. He hasn't really suffered injuries, so they right. have a he's pretty big pretty sample every game, size. Yeah. And this is a stat which is definitely skewed, which is why I think you picked Jared Allen first. Is definitely skewed to favor um, big men. Mm-hmm. Who who are really like efficient? Too. Who are like, re- right? They right. have really good efficiencies, which help their offensive numbers, and then they put up like you know blocks on defense and right and and DeAndre is offensively efficient. I mean his his free throws are better than um Jarrett. Yeah. So that to me was the thing that stood out more than like Nwaba at 3 um 
Spencer at one. Those are sort of, uh, you know, Nawaba's not surprising. Nawaba is surprising. I think it's a a good sign, and I hope he continues to get run. But just that DeAndre Jordan is this low. He's behind. We had a system overload there. We're back. (laughs) Nothing to worry about. Yep. Um... Talking about Musa there, he's in the three hundreds. You were saying, right? We don't, we don't. Oh, sorry, no. Musa is Musa is below Jordan. <laughs> Musa is below Jordan. Oh, Bill. I mean, he is the lowest rank. He's four twenty two out of four thirty one. Right, I but DeAndre Jordan's three eighty eight. You know, he's not like worlds better than than Musa. Three eighty eight, and, and Musa is what four twenty two. That's unbelievable. I mean. Yes, it is. It is terrible. DeAndre gets a lot more minutes than Musa, but four twenty-two. There can't be. What is there like four hundred and thirty players there in the are entire league? Four hundred and thirty-one. <laughs> so, so Musa he's literally Musa one of the is, absolute worst players in the league. He's in the bottom ten, literally in the bottom ten of RPM. Unbelievable. Is it at all surprising to you? I mean, it's a little bit surprising that he's not. He's not higher than Pinson because Pinson's offensive numbers are are worse. I I suspect that's because of defense. defense I suspect that yes. Musa is as bad at defense as he is at offense, and Pinson is a little bit okay at yes. defense. Like I, I'll tell you this: you don't earn a bottom ten <laughs> RPM without putting up a negative in both offense and defense. I think we've both seen enough Musa on offense wow. and shooting under twenty percent from three to know that he can't possibly make up for his defensive deficiencies on the offensive. That guy stinks with a capital S right now. Yes, that guy is terrible, but I think I want to get back to this. (laughs) DeAndre Jordan is also a real um, advanced metrics negative guy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really disconcerting. As I've said, I'm. I think the absolute worst thing that happened this offseason is signing him not to one year or two years, but to four years. Uh, we are locked into a guy who, at the best he'll ever be on this contract, is 388th in RPM. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I would just. I mean, that is terrible. Um, and you know the Nets are aware of RPM. If we know RPM, right. the Nets should know it. Um, they have managed to spin DeAndre in a major way in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are still, like, you, you. we've talked about that athletic article that you, that you uh, sent to me. There are murmurings that he's terrible in, like, national press and, and the athletic, but, like, the Post, uh, Greg Logan, e- even, you know, like, there's just, like, wow, it was, we thought it might be a weakness, but it's a strength. They're both great, and they're both getting rebounds, and they're both really tough inside. Um, one of those players alters nearly every shot taken when he's on the court. Right. That is taken inside the three-point line. And is consistently, you'll see in every single box score, he's it's a positive when right. he's in the game. He, he just, right, he helps in a lot of different ways. He doesn't hurt in too many ways. Right. Um, the other one, you can just watch, like the eye test is not good also. Like, no, you watch him not put his hands up at all on defense and that inc- or go after repens. We've talked about it pretty endlessly on this podcast, but, but yeah, no, he's really bad. Uh, here's what I will say to, to try to comfort you, Bill, and the rest of Nets Nation who's maybe feeling queasy about that contract. Um, 
you can, I mean, he's going to play this year and next year with the Nets, I would say, almost definitely. We'll see, but I would say that it's likely he will play those two years. And once he does that, um, and does whatever damage he does right. while doing that, um, you're talking about $20 million. And we've seen teams can get off a $20 million pill. It sucks. You might have to attach a first, but mm-hmm. probably probably not that much, I think, for, for $20 million in dead money. That's, that's not impossible. Okay. That is hopeful. Um, yeah, I think, I think it is important, like you were just saying, you don't need a lot of fancy advanced stats <laughs> to know that DeAndre Jordan isn't doing what other people traditionally in the NBA are doing on a basketball court. He will not will not uh, go out to the three-point line to contest a shot. He oftentimes won't even go out to the free-throw line to contest no. a shot. He parks very close to the basket. He's almost immobile on defense. Uh, he... He can set a pick. I will give him that. He is a big, big body who can set a pick on offense. Um, But he's not doing a whole lot else for you on offense. And we don't have another backup. He does put up big numbers some some nights. But, yeah, I just think that that he really is hurting hurting the nets. Like Ed Davis was the opposite of him last year. He right. was he you you didn't you didn't notice him some nights, but every time he was on the court, he had a positive impact. He worked really really hard. Um and that is just not something you can say for old old DJ. Yeah. Now that said, the guy who wrote the thing about how DeAndre Jordan was a nightmare for the Nets, um, Zach Harper on The Athletic, has also been writing about who uh, the best scorers are in different situations. Mm. Um, And in his article, his most recent one on that, we had a net mention, Simon. The best pick-and-roll big man in the entire NBA in terms of scoring is Jared Allen this season? Whoa! Um, so this is of all bigs who have who have attempted at least seventy five pick and rolls this season. Uh-huh. Jared Allen currently has ninety seven points on seventy six possessions, which is one hundred and twenty seven point seven per one hundred possessions. Okay, it's an astronomically high number. Um, it's like more efficient than getting free throws, basically. Um, which is fantastic, and which I think is something that people are picking up on. Certainly people, it's hard to not recognize in the last 10 or so games that Jared Allen has taken some sort of step forward. Um, you can see that in the, the box score. You can see it watching the game. He's more aggressive. He's more involved in parts of the offense that he wasn't necessarily before. And I would say the most hopeful, now I know Jokic has taken a step back, blah, 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 and he did. Jokic did have a good game against Jarrett, but it wasn't the kind of game that you're like, he had 37 rebounds, he was like unstoppable in the paint, he had like 100 free throws, you know what I mean? Like those kind of enormous, enormous games that we give up to good big men. Right. It was it was a good game, Jarrett also had a good game, Jokic had a better game, but like you'll take that yes, every time. versus an MVP level, right. um, all, or at least all NBA anyway, center. Not so bad. Yeah. So anyway, that's our stop at RPM Stat Station. Choo choo. Uh, go Jared. Ooh, can I Ooh, say DJ? Yeah, yeah. Can I just really quickly on the Jared Allen thing? I also think that that likely 
in in part is due to the fabulous chemistry that he has with Spencer. Like they just work so well together. Um, and I wonder if Spencer moves to the bench, you'll they still have to, if he does do that, they still need to really find a lot of minutes with those two on the court together. Agreed, especially because Spencer definitely does not share that chemistry with DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> I remember the first few games watching that and being appalled at what was happening. Um, also, though, Karis LeVert has pretty good chemistry with Jared Allen. Yeah. Only Kyrie and him seem to not quite be on the same page yet. Yeah, which is understandable. They've played 11 games together. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to go to the mailbag. Oh, uh, we just have one question for this week because I didn't do the books one. I forgot oh. about it. Okay. Did you? Uh, yeah, I have I have a couple. All right, well, we'll do it next time. Uh, this <laughs> mailbag is from IRL Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the question. Sure. Keep them coming. Send in questions if you've got them, people. Um, at maybe next time. All right. His question. So, does this season matter at all? For example, maybe Kenny plays Musa and Pinson because this season doesn't even matter at all. Might as well give these guys some run to see if they turn into anything. And in the meantime, keep the powder dry for Katie's return next year alongside Kyrie. Where are you guys with this? Simon, where are you with this? Um, I do think this season matters. I don't think it's a total disaster if... Like, I don't think all hope is lost if we don't make the playoffs. If we do underperform, that will be a bummer, but but um, survivable. But what, I, but what I think we want to avoid, if at all possible, is the idea that, like, KD would have had with the Knicks, where you're like, okay, KD will make the Knicks better, but he's not um, e- even... Pre-injury, probably not enough to make like a Knicks like a totally helpless roster. He's not going to take them single-handedly to the championship. Right. Uh, so I don't think you want to set up a scenario where um, the Nets looked pretty terrible, and you're like, "Well, Katie will come back," and you know what exactly? Right. Like that's basically your nightmare scenario. We maybe get into the playoffs, maybe we get to the second round. Um, which I don't think is a total nightmare scenario, but but it's clearly not what the the hope is. Right. No. And I think I think the question of uh, uh, of defining what matters mm-hmm. uh, is the important thing, because does it matter in the sense that like we're aiming for a championship? No, definitely not. That cannot be the objective of this season. But there are things that hugely matter this season. One of those things is making sure that Kyrie Irving can play with any of the guys on this team. Yeah. Like, this team needs to become more or less like a team that is significantly and noticeably better with him. Mm-hmm. That is something that has very, very prominently not happened thus far this season. Yeah. Um, and if at no point he finds chemistry with guys like Jarrett Allen or playing really well with Torian Prince or Joe Harris who can open up spacing for him, if they can't figure something like that out with the guys that are currently on the team, that would begin to matter because... One, from a narrative perspective, 
that will start to cast all kinds of doubts on Kyrie Irving. Uh-huh. Um, and two, it will cast all sorts of doubts on the roster that Sean Marks has built around these guys. Mm. And that will make, which which maybe those questions need to come up now, and they need to find guys who Kyrie plays better with or something like that. But like it matters in the sense that next season Kyrie and KD are... Obviously, the two most important things on this team. So this season has to has to be about finding what works with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and and Karis Levert is another piece of that. How how they how they play together. Yeah, exactly. Like so, it it matters in not in in a championship sense, but it matters in that we need to see as much as we can of Kyrie Irving out there and who plays with him, who plays well with him, what we can do around him, and um, so we can know yeah where this roster, how to develop the roster, and that is what's so frustrating about this injury and the the lack of. Um, sort of urgency to get him back there, and you know, you should you obviously don't rush someone back who who is injured in a season that doesn't ultimately right, matter. Right, right, sure. But um, if they're not able to get, you know, at least fifty games mm-hmm. of him on the court, uh, then you're going to have a really small sample of what he is capable of doing with these players, which is uh, not. It's it's going to make this season that really not matter if he, if he's not if he's not out there. For yeah, that. Bill, can we before we go? Can we talk about the 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 Shumpert thing? Yes, of course. My God, I'm surprised we waited this long. Yeah, what do uh, what do you got on show? So okay, for folks who've been living in a hole uh, <laughs> the last week, uh, the Nets cut Iman Shumpert in anticipation of Wilson Chandler coming back. Um, to the Nets roster after a 25-game suspension. Um, we talked last week, both you and I were in solid agreement that it would be relatively outrageous <laughs> for anyone but Theo Pinson to be cut. Um, outrageous. We, so, to, uh, and I think this ties in well with that mailbag question because I think it tells you a bit about how the Nets feel about this season, which is they would rather keep a 24-year-old who sucks um, instead of a 29-year-old who right now is objectively better than that player, but is, and I hate to give net income credit, I know we uh, disagree with him quite a bit, but he laid out a pretty good... Yeah, a pretty good case, which is like, unless you think Iman Shumpert is going to be like a factor in the playoffs or in a championship series or going to be, um, yeah, then you kind of, you, it makes sense to be like, you know what, we're going to keep this 24 year old who, uh, could get better, who has a better, who has a, a higher ceiling than Iman Shumpert. Sure. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I wish Pinson weren't on this team for aesthetic reasons, for the reason that I have to watch so many of these games, and he is painful to watch play. You know that the team's going to start doing horribly as soon as he goes in. Um, All of those reasons, it would be nice had he been cut. But it's not as if, other than Shumpert's one-on-one defense, he was dreadful on offense, uh, generally speaking, and is not you know a guy that you necessarily need to keep around. 
Um, so yeah, it's it it, it was it was fru- it's frustrating in in many senses, but I I guess I see the logic of Pinson. Though I do hope by seasons by next season anyway that Pinson has found a new a new <laughs> NBA home. Do you think Shumpert gets picked up by another team? Uh, I saw rumors that he might go with Portland. Um, oh yeah, they're desperate. They are desperate. Yeah. Um, I I hope he does. He seems like a great great guy. Uh, I think the Nets will miss him in the locker room as much as on the court. Um, his arrival did correspond, did correlate at least with the Nets being much better on defense. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, all right, so we play the Raptors tonight and then a back-to-back against the Sixers on Sunday. How do you think we fare in those games, Simon? Uh, I mean, I think the, the smart money is on us losing both. We have not. I saw that we have not beaten a winning team on the road at all this year. Yeah, we gave uh, the Jazz and the Nuggets a scare, for yeah, sure. Yeah, um, but crumbled in typical Nets fashion. Um, but we get a comeback game on Tuesday against the Pelicans. Right. Uh, which, if we lose that one, my God. They're on a 10-game losing streak currently. Uh-oh. Um, right. I think I know just the Uh-oh. team to help I know. them snap out of that. Uh, I, I, yeah. I do just want to say... As also as bad as that Charlotte game was, and as quote unquote heartbreaking as it was, Nets fans have got to stop uh, feeling the heartbreak after that. It's just so predictable, right? Um, like you and I were texting about it. The Nets do this pretty frequently. So if your heart breaks every time the Nets blow it, <laughs> your heart ain't in good shape. No, 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 no. Um. So, okay, I don't know what else. Who else do we play this week? I'm trying my computer. Um, it's not super good. Like we play like we play teams that we will could definitely lose to, but are not very good objectively. Like the Spurs, ah, Spurs, um, and then the Hawks, Hawks, Knicks. Yeah, so it's it's a big. Once we hit that, um, yeah, that Houston game is kind of where things start to turn to playing much better teams. Um, we play the then we play the Timberwolves who are fine and the Mavericks and the Raptors. Right. Oh my it's god! It's uh yeah, it's a murderer's row a oh, little bit. Oh boy. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening, Simon. Where can people get in touch with us? Where can they follow us? You've got to follow us at Maybe Next Time on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and please send us your thoughts, your comments, your questions to Maybe Next Time at gmail.com. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and uh, rate. Review us. Uh, give us those five stars, um, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> um, yeah, and thank you for the question. Yes. Jay-Z, uh, yes, thank you so much. Uh, all right. We'll go ahead and uh, see you next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording. Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read If you like Pina Colada